0: Welcome back, everyone. Another week of Taurus Tech Talk here at SG Taurus, powered by Ferguson. I'm your host, Matt LaPan. Yesterday on Taurus Talk, we had an incredible conversation with Chris Gould from URL about the product line that we're carrying for state water heaters here at SG Taurus, and we're welcoming Chris back to Tech Talk today, and we're going to talk the principles of venting. Now, this is... One of the ones that you want to bookmark, make sure all of your folks who are going to be either selling, installing, doing any work with water heaters listens to, because this is something that could quite literally be a life or death type of thing if you don't vent properly. So make sure you, you buckle up, you tune into this one, and send it to all your folks. But first off, Chris, thank you for coming back on. We really enjoyed the talk on Taurus Talk yesterday, and we're loving these state water heater talks.
1: I appreciate you having me here. We're going to uh as you say, geek out a little bit on water heaters and uh, and dive into all things venting, that mysterious uh, why such a length or how many feet per 90 or all of those questions that happen, how they relate to pressure switches. I'm going to try to uh, kind of relate it top to bottom, atmospheric all the way up through fan-assisted. Our market, you know, being a unique like it is, uh, we run the gamut. We, we utilize all types of venting. So important we talk about this today. I'm going to do my best to hit all the highlights there, but um, thank you again for having me.
0: Yeah, we're going to hit everything. And we've been saying, you know, the the past two weeks on Tourist Talk, we promise you we're going to talk venting because for some folks, we've been talking about atmospheric power, direct power, fan assist, and they've gone cross-eyed going, what does that even mean? Well, here's when we're going to figure it out. But first, it's important to know that not all state water heaters need venting in a home. Gas water heaters do require venting and correct venting, mm-hmm. material setup, all those things. We'll get into all of the material setups, you know, specifics on that. But first off, Chris, what are the different types of venting for water heaters? And where do we see these, you know, in terms of tying it back to yesterday's podcast where we talked about the product line?
1: You know, in this New England market, we, again, having old homes, new homes and what have you. We utilize all types of venting. The way I break it down mentally is non-condensing and condensing, right? Venting is very much driven by temperature uh, and then by sealed combustion or not, meaning do we need oxygen to burn a fire from inside a dwelling, outside a dwelling, combination thereof? And all of those kind of all relate back onto national fuel code. You know, we don't make the rules up. We have guidance by NFPA 54 and then by local authorities. You know, uh, state to state, we cover uh, up here in New England, seven states. So I kind of have to shake my head state to state. Certainly some are are, are more uh, code enforcement or enforced than others. But we have a change going on here over the last couple of years, too, with utilizing UL 1738, State to state, you know, Massachusetts has adopted that. Uh, It's retroactive for uh, replacement, too, which has uh, been a huge change. So, too, you know, the New Hampshire market, you know, markets where we're a little more cognitive of being fan assisted. They've tuned in uh, a little bit more and and they're starting to adopt UL 1738. So we'll talk a little bit about that, too, and uh, kind of circle it all back to combustion, water heaters. I'd like to say they're you know ultra high tech and high end, but some of them aren't. So the combustion rates rely on vent lengths, pressure that we put back on the on the water heater is really indicative of the combustion rate it'll fire at, meaning the efficiency level. So not to to jump around there, but venting is is critical to balancing the units so their fires at the efficiency level we've designed it at. People always say you know well. Why do I have a minimum vent length or a minimum rise or or whatnot? What we do is we test these in our ANSI lab to hit a specific efficiency level. And that's what kind of dictates where our venting lengths and and rules kind of um, come from, per se. You know, the other thing is that it's changed over the years. You know, as we've been kind of tasked with upping the efficiency levels, uh, where we'll put more baffles in or uh, need certain amounts of air, it it's kind of changed the norm venting wise. Especially on I mean, even on the atmospheric side, we get a lot more questions there. But you know, in terms of how and what the venting is, uh, you know, terminology wise, I don't want to insult you know anyone's intelligence, but no, no, we have folks
0: go... who are new to selling water heaters, so we're starting from the very bottom here so and, and make sure we work our way up.
1: Yeah, that's so I'm going to I'm going to act like we, you know, we're newbies to this and uh, start with the basics of Category uh, 1 venting, which is atmospheric. Atmospheric would be considered um, non-condensing. It's a hotter flue temp, obviously. We're relying on the hotter flue temp to naturally draft up a flue, whether it being a bee vent, which is applicable for Category 1 or a chimney. Standard atmospheric vent is what we would call that. We're pulling the combustion air from the room. Everyone always asks, can I pull combustion air from a room? Absolutely. There's no rules against it. Uh, If anything, in my mind, especially when we get to power vent and power direct vent, if we can legally pull the air from inside the dwelling, I like to. What does it do? It, It does a couple things. Typically cleaner air. You know, we're not dealing with dust and bugs and weed whackers and lawnmower clippings that get sucked in and whatnot and and bugs. So a lot of times pulling air from the basement is a a better option. And for atmospheric, the rules apply just like that for intake air for sealed combustion is it's 50 cubic feet per 1000 BTUs. That's the rule. So 50 cubic feet cubic, you know, length, width, height, 50 cubic feet we can uh, utilize that intake air to make 1,000 BTUs, All right, So that's the math. Uh, the math uh, is true for every state. It's That's a national code and stands true for standard atmospheric. So standard atmospheric, were typically stack temps. So exhaust temps, they're higher than 200 degrees. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the general rule of thumb to, to create a draft. Uh, with that, you know, we have to be cognitive of temperatures. And then the flu size, where we get a lot of disconnect is, I've had a standard atmospheric for God knows how long, and I go to replace it. And quite often, I'll get calls about issues with periodic ignition failures, or or the pilot going out. And a lot of that gears nowadays to how we've Kind of change the envelopes of these older homes, you Mm -hmm. know, standard atmospheric we're going to traditionally see in an older home, but what we've done to our older homes over the years is what can really affect these units. So, you know, when we go to change out an atmospheric unit, we want to be cognitive of the envelope, you know, have they uh, insulated the home tighter. So we're not getting as much air infiltration, mm-hmm. combustion air kind of flowing into the house through the cracks and the nooks and the crannies because we've sealed the house up. Uh, have we uh, installed a new fancy kitchen that has an extensive hood or uh, added bathrooms? And if it's anything like mine, my my kids, they'll constantly leave uh, bathroom fans on. Yep. Yeah, that's, a, that's a negative draft where we get into ERV systems that have been retrofitted into an older home where we're doing outside air exchange into the home, that can negatively affect the draft on a, on a standard atmospheric water here. It'll, it'll show, you know, that we've maybe tightened the house up, but it'll actually affect the, house, the, affect the draft of a, of a standard atmospheric. Couple that with our stack temps are actually getting a little bit lower, you know, we, we used to be in the, the 50s efficiency-wise. We've tuned those up to be in the mid to high 60s now. So what that means is we're taking more of the heat out of the exhaust and actually transferring that to the tank. So we have a lower stack temp. What that can do is it can affect draft on a water mm-hmm. heater. And I see it quite quite often now. Couple that with we're dumping, a, say, a four-inch exhaust vent into a, 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 a chimney. You know, and it's got a little four-inch hole, and it's exhausting above an atmospheric boiler. But what we don't know is what we see behind the chimney is how how big is that chimney? You know, and realistically, we always torture you know, or or inspectors will torture some uh, plumbers. You you change something out, and reality is they you you need to line the chimney. And why would you line a chimney? You think it's for caustic reasons or rotting of the chimney? It's because of these atmospheric products. Have been tuned a little bit more to be more efficient they don't have as high of a stack temp so we're not creating a hot temp that it wants to suck itself out and you dump it into a large chimney and you can't see behind that little four-inch hole that you put this exhaust into the chimney but you if you did you'd see it's 18 by 20 or this large flue you kick those heat you know gases in there they're lower stack temp and all of a sudden they don't want to naturally draft up out of the the chimney you know, I always kind of compare that to me starting my wood stove. Yep. Uh, I have to create a good draft or else I smoke the whole house out. That's the same idea. You know, if we don't heat up that flue, it doesn't want to naturally draft. So standard atmospheric a lot has changed there with our homes becoming tighter. Draft issues have become a little bit more uh, predominant. And what that also does is it leads to sooting. Quite often I'll get calls, you know, it's a year, a year and a half in Never had this problem with, you know, product prior, my water here keeps going out. So, uh, you know, the thermal pile is not registering the flame or we're not getting a a clean flame and it'll go out. And it's because it's sooted up because we're not drafting as well as we did in in years past. So standard atmospheric, there's uh, minimal science there, but uh, we see more and more issues with it because of really how homes have become tighter and are pulling more negative drafts. Well, and the uh, thing
0: is, too, you know, just I think we kind of touched on it for a second. But in the end, the, the big part of venting, especially with standard atmospheric here that I look at, is we're using gas to create fire to heat water. Well, that gas and the byproduct of it, as we all know, if you have gas going into your home, it's not a good thing if you can't get it out. So that is why this venting is so important and why Chris is getting into you need to be able to push all that out. And again, you know, he's bringing it back to our kind of customer base here that we've had historically of of UHVAC guys that are listening. You know a lot of these negative pressure things because you've been working on it with the systems and with the new homes and kind of the the goal towards net zero homes. And it's affecting your HVAC systems. Well, guess what? It's, it's affecting the water heaters as well. And as you get the more efficient ones in there, that decrease in temperature that's going out of that vent you might need to go for another option because yes they've had a standard atmospheric in their house for however many years but when you go to replace it a lot more efficiency there you're going to heat the water more effectively but you're not going to be able to get that byproduct out of the home and that creates danger for the folks in the home and it shortens the life of the water heater
1: Correct. Yep. Uh, it's a great way of saying it. You know, and the other thing that I see a lot is we, like you and I are doing right now, we're hiding in our basements here and we're framing out our basements. We're adding mm-hmm. those little bonus rooms or the office spaces that we had more combustion air. And we have this poor little water here we've framed the wall around. And maybe that water here still worked, but then we changed it out and, and didn't make a cognitive decision that we upsized it. Upsizing or higher BTUs means we need more air. And then all of a sudden we start having issues, you know, going from a, a retail type water heater that had 35,000 BTUs going to one of our 45,000 BTU or right. 55,000 BTU uh, units. That means we need more combustion air. And then all of a sudden, you know, a year after we start seeing issues. Well, that's because we didn't have as much intake air and that, you know, the room's framed out. and We have higher BTU use. You're going to get sooty you know cuz it's not venting or it's not drafting as well. So you know the things that I always like to to encourage you know, yes it's a quick switch out there if you're you know apple for apple type venting but atmosphere test the draft on the way out. Mm-hmm. You know light a match right by the flue gap of of the uh, of the appliance on the way out and see if that smokes getting pulled in voluntarily not not waffling. You want to see uh you know a little it's a little smoke to, light a little piece of paper on fire or whatnot and see if it's actually drafting well, that it's pulling right up through. And the the other time, you know, a lot of people forget we're on like heating equipment. We run year round. Yep. So the other portion of things is we get to, uh, again, older new England home that uh, we used to run this water heater in a home that had no air conditioning. Now they've been blessed with uh, five new mini splits in their house And they live in this house now with the windows actually shut for once in the summer. You know, what's changed? I'm always paid to basically be a detective. What's changed in this home that that the product they've had for many, many years all of a sudden doesn't work? Well, we got air conditioning. I don't know why that would affect, you know, my atmospheric water here. Well, you're living when we have warmer air in the chimney. That So again, we're defeating that trying to draft mm-hmm. and couple that also with creating a natural kind of Venturi type effect with the windows open. You close those windows now because we're air conditioning. That's what's changed. We don't, we're not helping that draft. So, you know, uh, as simple as atmosphere can be, it can actually be a pretty difficult issue to to chase sometimes. I'm alluding also, more to the issues, but our chalices are changing. So,
0: yeah, and you can also think of, you know, talking about the mini-splits, these rebates for mini-splits and for heat pumps are driven by the weatherization of your home, right? For Massachusetts, Correct. we're sitting here and saves coming in. They're blowing insulation in. They're tightening up your windows. They're tightening up your basement. They're tightening everything up. And when you had some air leakage coming before, that was actually kind of a good thing for your water heater. Bad for yeah. your heating bills. Good for your water heater. The are thing's so tight and so constrained, especially... You got that beautiful new Mitsubishi that's keeping your house warm and cool, but you got the full rebate, and now your water heater's not going to work because there's just not enough air. You've choked it off. And if you've choked it off, there's a good option that you can go to, and that is power venting.
1: Correct. Yep. Perfect segue there is, you know, we come in, we see all these issues. We say, hey, you know, thankfully, hopefully you called us or, or, or you're... Your salesman prior to switching out, uh, am I going to have an issue here? We've changed a lot, you know, combustion air-wise. Yeah, you should look at going to power vent or power direct vent. When we talk power vent, so that's kind of the next level up. Power vent is, I'd say, in the New England market, we're using it less and less. Uh, Certainly power vent only, so not, you know, power vent only type product isn't really stocked in itself on the shelf because our power direct vent units can act as power venters and i'll I'll explain the difference but where we see a lot of people changing is tightening up the house or whatnot or a newer home moving to power vent or realistically usually power direct vent so power vent what we talk about there is that's a water heater that we're exhausting fan assisting the exhaust only out of the house so whether it's sidewall vent or or vertical vent we're pushing the co2 out the side of the house but we're still using combustion air from inside the house. So power vent what that's saying is we're using the the intake air from inside the dwelling. If we had to switch, you know, from from atmospheric to a power vent type situation, most likely where we have a little bit of an issue with oxygen, we'll probably move to a power direct vent, but those large open basements again, we have a large basement and we wanted to get away or abandon the the chimney and move up efficiency-wise, you know, power vent, we're now into the low 80s efficiency-wise, so we're we're not condensing. We might call it semi-condensing on certain parts of the year, but we're pushing the exhaust nonetheless out the wall. How are we using, you know, how are we doing that? Power vent, we're going to use, you know, historically. Can we use ABS and PVC with, you know, our manufacturer installation directions? Yes. We've become more and more a UL seventeen thirty eight market. So we're using something polypro, central therm, ipex or any very SG Taurus. Yeah.
0: It's we just ipex. brought in we just brought in the full line of IPEX folks. Check it out okay. on our website. You can get everything you need, all the fittings, elbows, the long run of pipe.
1: Why did we move to that? You know, and I see it more often than I care to, is we'll see uh, initial runs off of our fan assist on power vents. We have a ninety real close to the water heater. Well, what's that doing? That's adding a lot of head pressure where it's really a lot hotter. Our temp hasn't come down and you'll see older PVC type systems they are chalk brown. You know, yeah. you, you, the rule was solid core PVC. God forbid you see foam core and you'll see that the, the, you know, the fittings and the pipe browning. That's a sign that the stack temp was still real high and it's, uh, for lack of a better word, it's dangerous. That's why we've moved to UL listed venting materials that can withstand that temperature a little bit more over time. Then we move to power direct vent, which is really, at least on the wholesale side of the world, that's what's stocked you know, in depth um, in terms of products. So power direct vent means I can run any variations thereof. I can power vent only, meaning I'm still pulling intake air from the room with my power direct vent unit. Or power direct vent, I can pull intake air from outside and exhaust. So I can run a two-pipe system. This is where we're going to start getting into, you know, a uh, product that we move towards more on the condensing side too. We can also, you know, power direct vent on the condensing side, we can still utilize intake air. It all comes back to that 50 cubic feet per 1,000 BTUs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, if I have a large basement and I'm going to have to go out the sill plate, do I want to make two holes if I don't need to? No. And the reality is, is you're going out the sill plate That's kind of the dirtiest air available. You know, I I love trying to pull intake air from a little bit higher up where we don't have wind from dirt and and bugs and lawn mowing and blowers and whatnot outside that we can pull in dirtier air. We have cleaner air up higher on the dwelling. So if we don't need to, I try to push people not to, you know, even if it's tankless uh, and you have enough combustion air for a tankless water heater use use the interior air it's it's realistically cleaner and it's well, less work mm-hmm. so often i'll see well i i thought i had to you know two pipe it cuz i can pull the intake air in uh, through piping in and i have to exhaust it so i two piped it well, i'll walk in well why you have a huge basement why'd you bother you don't need to the decision needs to be made sight on scene also of whether we need to pull intake air um but power direct vent is the capacity to two pipe intake and exhaust or just exhaust. Um, that's why in the wholesale world that's the predominant unit that's stocked because yep. it can it can run both ways. Power vendors have kind of gone by the wayside on the stocking side of wholesalers. Uh, at least in the nor- in the northeast market. You know we're 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 a different market because we're a colder market. Um, you talk Florida or whatnot, power vendors are still very prevalent. They throw them in their garage. And, and pull the combustion air there. But up here, we're a little more concerned with, with combustion air. Moving on from there, we have uh, one that we don't see as often anymore. It's more of a replacement type product. It's a direct vent unit. So direct vent, what that means is it's still atmospherically venting, but it's actually designed so they can uh, atmospherically sidewall vent. Um, and this was used pretty heavily in the multifamily world. Uh yep. not so not so much in the single family world. There's a there's a large replacement market still out there. But what it allowed the direct vent unit is to atmospherically vent, but pull intake air on the outside of an interior pipe. So what I mean is it's basically two pipes in one. It's exhausting out the center and it's pulling intake air around a second pipe that's around uh the exhaust pipe. So it's two in one kind of piping. Also in the tankless world. Renai does uh, U-bink, and we have our own version of U-bink too for our tankless, where we can two in one pipe. So you only have to make one penetration out the wall. But direct vent tanks have been around for a while. Uh, We're seeing less and less of it, but great non-mechanical venting type uh, water heater. So direct vent would be it vents on itself atmospherically out of sidewall, not vertical. And then we get back into you know where we see a lot of the market going you know power vent or power direct vent mm-hmm. uh, water heaters they've gotten a lot more expensive uh for obvious reasons size weight uh shipping what have you which has ebbed the united states market towards power direct vent tankless water heaters right we have condensing and non condensing so it would be category 4 or category 1 type piping you know the one question that i always get is with condensing equipment, we might be switching out, say, a non-condensing tankless or whatnot that was vented with stainless steel. Stainless steel is the best venting. You know, mm-hmm. bar none. So you could always vent any direct vent or power direct vent appliance with stainless. Would you? No, if it's if it's going to be new start to finish, because it's cost prohibitive to UL 1738 product or PVC. Um, but uh stainless can always be used. And then we go one notch back down, you know, lower, we would go to to plastic vent piping, uh, like IPEX. IPEX is is nice. You don't have to think, right? You're still buying yeah. it. it's a glue, a glue up system. We're not planning out our two foot sections and our nineties and whatnot. We're just buying a piece of pipe, glue, and and fittings. That's what's nice about that line. So power vent and power direct vent tankless has kind of started substituting that larger tank, power direct vent tank market, just because of cost. It's trying to bring the cost down of of these installs or these retrofits. You know, and how does this all relate back to combustion and efficiencies is I always get these questions. Well, you know, why do I have to run, you know, X amount of feet? You, You really, when you install a power vent or a power direct vent unit, you need to look at the directions real quick. You know, for us, predominantly a 90 is five feet. You now, if I say you can run 40 feet with three-inch pipe before you have to jump up to, to four-inch pipe, there's a reason I'm not torturing you. For, you know, a lot of guys say, right. well, why? Or why can't I do it with two-inch or, th- or three-inch? And then why do I have to go to four-inch? Well, it's all coming back to stack temp and balancing the combustion rate. Our lengths are basically balancing the combustion rate of the of the water heater to hit what we tested it at efficiency wise how do we do that this is where the hvac world is is a blessing in disguise for me uh because they know pressure switches Yep. so we we utilize pressure switches on the intake and the exhaust side to balance the flu meaning to to basically get that combustion you know segment that we tested at if we run too long what are we going to do on the exhaust side we're going to trip the pressure switch but we're tripping the pressure switch not necessarily because it wouldn't run per se but our stack temps or our pressure levels are going to get too high that we're going to soot and we're not going to run at the efficiencies that we have balanced for intake air so pressure switches have a range that's the other thing is Mm -hmm. uh, when we talk pressure switch that's positive pressure versus on the intake side we're talking a vacuum switch where we're sucking on the exhaust side we're pushing so we're we're blowing out we're pushing um but there's a balance you know on a on an intake switch it's going to be vacuum it's going to be a negative uh water column reading and on the on the on the pressure side the exhaust side we're going to have a positive reading i love seeing hvac guys that will actually break their manometers out and they're yep. actually seeing how close, you know, and the thing is, is, when you push the limit of, say, three inch, it can go a max of 40 feet, each 90s, five feet, and you'll have someone, an installer, go right to 40 feet. It's dangerous. You're playing with fire because you're so close to tripping that pressure switch. And where does that come into play? In the New England market, season to season, our air is is has different weight levels. Right. So, you know, in this in the winter, it's it's a lighter, lighter air. We get a higher combustion rate because it's colder where we go summer, summertime. What do we have? We have a higher water content. The the air is actually literally heavier that you could see, you know, you'll have a power direct vent unit that we went right to the limit of our venting links on the exhaust side. And, And so and also on the intake side and then it starts tripping in the summer. Well, what's wrong? The air got a little bit heavier that we're just a little bit higher on that water column level that we're tripping the pressure switch. And I love seeing HVAC guys, you know, splice in with a T and see exactly. Oh, yeah. You know, the pressure switch is one point two seven inches and we're tog, you know, right around one point two. You're looking for a nuisance, you know, mm-hmm. is, is the is the problem. So trying not to go to the absolute extent of our of our vent links is the other important thing
0: to relate it back to HVAC again, think about the max line lengths on a line set. Yep. Correct. If you you go right to, you know, if if your install instructions tell you max line length of 160 feet and you're at 159 feet, you know, you're going to have problems at some point and you know, you're going to be back there doing extensive maintenance and you're going to get phone calls from an angry homeowner. Think of it the same way here, right? If, if it's 40 feet maximum on three inch, and you know you're gonna be at 36, 37, go to 4-inch because you're just gonna save yourself or try to get down closer to that 30 range because you just don't wanna create problems on your initial install. Our customers here, we talk a lot. We know you guys out there, you guys and gals out there. We know that you are installing premium product and we know that you are taking pride in what you're installing. Do the same thing have that same pride when you're installing your water heaters as you do with your HVAC equipment, because it's, you know, it's the left and the right hand. You need to have them talk to each other and make sure you're doing this correctly. Again, venting gas out of a home is potentially, you know, I don't want to sound too crazy here, but life or death, you you don't want this stuff backing up into people's homes. One, you'll ruin their water heater. And two, it can cause all sorts of other problems, right? So make sure you're, you're correctly venting these things and make sure that you're in a good spot, the homeowner you're selling it to is in a good spot, and everyone's going to be happy.
1: Yep. And then, you know, the, the one last thing I would talk about venting, not to diminish it, its technicalities, is the intake side. The yep. biggest issue I see in the, in the field is when we're direct venting, power direct venting, power venting, and we're specifically power direct vent. We're pulling intake air from outside. The number one rule that what you wanna do is never run the intake longer equivalent lengthwise than the exhaust on anything. So whether it's a condensing furnace, a condensing boiler, or a condensing water heater, what you're doing is you're limiting the oxygen intake. And I, I try to dumb it down when we're talking to people, I'll, I'll walk in and I'll see more 90s and more pipe on the intake side than I do on the exhaust. The cardinal rule, if there were something to really truly try to bring into the, the logic circle there, is we're trying to create a flame and transfer that heat to water, right, whatever it might be, you know, or, or even a hot air furnace. And what do we need to do to get the right combustion level? We need to have the right mixture of oxygen with the right mixture of, of fuel, of gas. Yep. And what do we need to do to make that combust as a spark? If we're limiting or we're, we're putting more vacuum on the intake side, what we're going to do is we're going to throw the combustion circle off. So if there were anything to, to do rightfully, mindfully, it's to make sure you run the intake either the same or less than the exhaust side. That's the biggest thing you could do professionally to make sure that you're, you're not limiting or, or sooting the uh, the system. So run your intakes shorter, not longer. That's, uh, that's about it
0: for me. <laughs> yeah, now we've gone over the past two days. We've gone a little longer on both, but that's because these are two very important topics. You're learning about the product itself and you're learning about venting. Again, you can't heat water without fling. You can't have flame without the proper combustion and venting is critical to that. Make sure you're again, letting everyone listen to this, spread this thing around. I hope you already have the alert set up for the podcast because you know, they're coming out every Wednesday and Thursday here in February and throughout the year. But these two are really the past two we've done are really, they're huge. Make sure you're sitting down, you're really taking them in. And if you need more information, You can reach out to your tm they'll get you in touch with someone like chris or if you go to the state water heater website there's a whole page of venting information go to the podcast notes it's going to be linked right there but it's a really kind of good overview of what we just talked about here but we all know chris is bringing us more real life examples of what's going on he's out there in the field he's been doing this for a number of years so make sure you're listening to chris if i could tell you anything from all this it's listen to chris he knows what he's talking about and listen to these podcasts
1: i want to not let us get off with one more crucial (coughs) kind of uh uh, best practice that's not in every manual per se all right i'm going to leave you on this one the the intake being shorter and then the fact that water heaters run year-round okay so the, the part of the year that we have more issues than any other equipment is in the summer or the warmer months when we're not running our heating equipment. So heating, guys, you don't see this issue as often. But when you, you think about the way I'm going to explain it, this will make sense. We run water heaters in the summer. So if we're pulling intake air from, from outside and it is 80 degrees out and 90% relative humidity, What are we doing? We're pulling in oxygen that has a high water content. So we're going to pull it off the siding. This air could be as hot as 100 degrees. Comes down into this basement or home that's air conditioned and it's immediately condensing. We don't want water, right? Water doesn't burn. So we want oxygen, fuel and not water. So as soon as that intake air comes in and it cools a little bit, it condenses and we get water pulling into uh, burners. They don't like that. So a great practice on all water heaters. Doesn't really even matter the brand condensing wise though. They don't like water. Put a condensate drip on the intake side. It'll save you so much hassle. So it condenses and it goes into that burner and you get started getting the the flame sensors or the igniters corroding. It's because we have a high water content coming in. Put a barb in there and drain the condensate off. There's no rule against it with anyone. That's one thing I couldn't let you leave without knowing uh, is is try to add, always add a a condensate drip on the intake
0: side. It's the type of information you're only going to get from someone like Chris and you're only going to get here on Taurus Tech Talk. We want to thank Chris for coming on again. We're going to continue to have these conversations. We're going all month, folks, and then we're going throughout the year as well. You'll hear plenty from Chris and the other folks at URL. Thank you again to them for always supporting us. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and hit those alerts. Make sure they're hitting your phone every Wednesday and Thursday morning or at 6 a.m. to get these onto your phone and listen to them when you're on the way to a job. Make sure to follow along on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. If you have any questions, just drop it in there with the hashtag Taurus Tech Talk. And as always, catch all of our podcasts on our website or mobile app. One want to thank you again for tuning in. We'll see you next time on Taurus Tech Talk.